Welcome back to the Coffee and Bible Time podcast. For those that may be listening for the first time, our podcast is an offshoot from our main platform, YouTube. Our channel is called Coffee and Bible Time, where our goal is to help people delight in God's word. We also have a website and storefront with Bible studies, prayer journals, and more. I'm Mentor Mama, and today I have two guests joining me, Chris and Elizabeth McKinney, to discuss how we can be the hands and feet of Jesus right in our own neighborhoods. In fact, to be made in the image of God includes this idea that we were created for relationship, for community, and for neighbors. So before we start... I'd like you to do a self-reflection for just a moment. How are you doing at loving your neighbors? Let's think about this. How well did you love your neighbors before the pandemic? How did you do during the pandemic? So, okay, so let's acknowledge whatever that looked like, good, bad, or indifferent. I know for me personally, uh, I found this exercise convicting. Uh, I have room de- most definitely for improvement and being more intentional, loving my neighbors. So now that life is getting a little bit more back to normal, praise God, I'm suggesting that we hit the reset button and learn from our amazing guests on how we can have a simple and sustainable vision for loving our next door neighbors well. But first, a word from our sponsor. We still have our coupon code available for you guys if you wanted to do online counseling um, with Christian counselors. It's all online. It's via Zoom. You can pick who you want your counselor to be. Very reputable. They all have counseling degrees. So this isn't like some random on the internet. And my mom kind of has a personal testimony to it. Yes. So I actually have done some counseling sessions with Faithful Counseling. And what I really loved about it was that you can actually put in like different qualities that you're looking for in a counselor and specialties, male, female, if they have experience tackling different issues. And so I really loved that idea that I could go through and kind of pick the one I wanted. And then um, during this COVID season, it was really applicable anyway, since I couldn't leave my house for counseling, that I actually could just do it online. And you even have the opportunity to do a Zoom type call with them, or you can just do um, a phone call, whatever works best for you. And so it was just really great to have access to counseling when you, when you need it, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So if you guys want 10% off your first month of doing this, you can go to getfaithful.com slash coffee and Bible time, and you get 10% off your first month. And of course it is cheaper than traditional in-person counseling anyway. So overall, it's just a good deal. We really recommend it, but let's just get on to okay. the podcast. Oh, One other thing, too, is that you have the option of with your counselor that they are Christian counselors. And so if you want, they will actually pray for you, which I thought was so cool. At the end of each of my counseling, she prayed for me and my issues. Oh, wow. Thanks for that. Our guests today, Chris and Elizabeth McKinney, live in Columbia, Missouri with their four daughters and a Pomeranian. 
They work for Cruise City and serve as associate staff at their church, The Crossing. They write, speak, and are passionate about helping people love their next door neighbors. Please welcome Chris and Elizabeth. Hi. Hi, so good to be here. (laughs) Thank you both so much for being here. You know, now that we're coming out of the pandemic and people are surfacing out of their homes, this seems to be the absolute perfect time to talk about living missionally right where God has placed us. So I'm so thrilled to be talking to you both in this amazing book that you've written called Placed for a Purpose. (laughs) So I want to start out by just asking for the two of you, neighboring started with a fish fry of all things. So tell me about how did that happen? So about nine years ago, we moved into our neighborhood and We didn't know our neighbors. We were in one of the most stressful seasons of our lives outside of the last year, of course. Um, We had four kids in five years, and Chris was directing the campus ministry at the University of Missouri while also commuting part-time to St. Louis to, um, to seminary. And so we were not looking for more ministry to do or really anything else to do. Um, But we knew that we needed community and that if we had to drive 15 minutes across town to get it, it wasn't going to happen. And um, for me, especially as a young mom buried in diapers, Mm. I needed people in real time right around me. And so, um, so yeah, we reached out to some of the neighbors around us to, um, well, we, we saw that um, Bingo and Angie, the neighbors behind us, Bingo had a fish fry or a, a fryer, fryer, but he loved to fry stuff. And so we said, what if we do a, a fish fry? And we love food. And so we said we could do fish tacos. We could make some sauces. And, and, um, and so it was just a, a very few neighbors that came. But after that, we thought, you know, we like bingo. We need, we need bingo and Angie in our lives. And, um, and from there we thought we want to get to know some more neighbors. And so that spring, I think we did a little Easter egg hunt and had like six or eight kids. And like I said, about four of them were ours. So if that tells you anything about how, (laughs) how huge it was, it was very humble beginnings. But at that, we met a couple, um, Nathan and Kathy, and they said, if you'd want to, if you'd want to, any help doing some neighborhood events, we'd love to help. And so we said, well, what do you have in mind? And they said, well, I don't know, maybe a block party or something just simple. And so we kind of threw it out there. We started asking for help. Why don't you make some invitations? Why don't you pass them out? You bring the trash bags, you bring the tablecloths. And we kind of pieced it together And it really took off. And what we Mm -hmm. saw was neighbors started coming out of their homes in this subdivision that had been very isolated, where it was the proverbial garage door opening, the car pulling in, the garage door closing. And and we saw our neighbors were just as hungry for community as we were. So um, the rest is history. But God has done some really amazing things. That's amazing. And you really, I'm sure, as I was reading in your book, you kind of stepped out of your comfort zone a little bit, too, in doing that. It's not, right. it's not easy to do. No, it's vulnerable. Yes. So uh, what are some of the obstacles the two of you have encountered as you engage with your neighbors? 
Learn what theology is and how to study God within the Bible in course number seven of our In-Depth Bible Study Academy. In this academically built course, you will learn the tools to study God's character and nature within a Bible passage and how to grow closer to God relationally through Bible study. This course titled Theology, Knowing God Through In-Depth Bible Study is packed with teaching lessons, homework, quizzes, and a resource list for personal study. Head to our website, coffeeandbibletime.com, to learn more about the Academy and course number seven today. Use promo code CBT Podcast, that's CBT Podcast, to get 50% off this course right now at coffeeandbibletime.com. Yeah, I mean, I would say um, for us, one of them is just the kind of the cultural story or definition of what it means to be a good neighbor. And um, it was alive and well in our neighborhood when we first showed up. And there's even research that backed this up. But basically, our culture defines being a good neighbor as, as leaving your next door neighbors alone. So you, you, you take out the trash, you set it out, you, if you have a lawn, you mow it. If you're in an apartment, you don't make eye contact, you just give people space. And, and that was what was um, um, kind of the norm in our neighborhood. And so the obstacle was trying to push through that. So if you walk out your front door and you think, even if you're a believer, you're like, oh, like I need to leave my next door neighbors alone. And even the thought of initiating, it feels super awkward. It might even feel like something you have to apologize for. And so one of the things that we had to realize and, and, the, and God really helped um, shift our perspective on was that we're, we want to live out of his story. Uh, his big story of redemption, especially on our neighborhood. And in that story, we see God always moving towards us. So he's always moving towards his creation, towards his people. I mean, in the person of Jesus, he moves towards us. And, and, and he is at work in our neighborhoods. And he is kind of calling us into this story where we're moving towards uh, our neighbors. You know, um, you have done a phenomenal job of just tying in the whole biblical story mm. from, from beginning to end throughout your book. And one of the biblical passages that you discuss is the Good Samaritan. Mm -hmm. So let's take a look at that. How does Jesus flip the script on this parable? Yeah, oh, I love this. I love this story so much. So, um, so in this story, we have this biblical expert, this lawyer comes to Jesus. We know he's trying to test him because it says that Luke records that. And so he asks Jesus, how can I have eternal life or earn God's favor? And Jesus says, well, hey, you're the expert in the law, you know, in the, in the Old Testament. What do you say? He's like, well, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is like, yep. So if you can do that, you know, you'll get it, which is a monumental task, right? And, yeah. and the lawyer, the, the expert in the law, Unfelt that. And so his next question, which is what I think the entire story hangs on is, well, who is my neighbor? Mm -hmm. And and so what he's doing there is he is trying to figure out who's in and who's out. He's trying to draw his neighborly line so he can say, I'm going to love these neighbors, but these neighbors over here who I don't like, who don't look like me, think mm -hmm. like me, vote like me, those are my non-neighbors. And so Jesus, instead of um, kind of teaching him, he correcting him in that moment, he, he tells a story about two religious leaders who pass by 
this guy who needs help, they move to the other side of the cul-de-sac because this guy in the ditch is a non-neighbor. They don't have time or for whatever reason, they don't want to stop. But here comes this Samaritan who is the least likely, they would think, the listeners that were listening to Jesus, the least likely person to stop and help a, a, a Jew, he stops and he helps. And, and so Jesus wraps up the story and he comes back to the Lord and he says, which one of these proved to be a neighbor? And, and, the, and the, the Bible scholar says, well, the one who showed mercy. And he says, go and do likewise. And so really, it's not about trying to ask who is my neighbor, but instead Jesus says it's about becoming or proving to be a neighbor to those that he has placed right around us. Like we, we believe that God has placed us for a purpose. Our address isn't an accident and neither are our neighbors. So if that's true, we don't want to draw lines to exclude those neighbors who have been placed next door. We want to think, how can I become a neighbor with God's help to the neighbors that he's put around us? That really reminds me of The Chosen. I don't know if you guys yeah. Oh, we love it. We're loving a, it. Oh, there's a beautiful episode um, that really demonstrates that. So I encourage our listeners, if you're not familiar with The Ch- Chosen and you want to see what he's talking about, sort of uh, act it out. They do a phenomenal mm. job. Um, well, let's zone in a little bit more on Jesus and his lead by example and showing us really the importance of truly seeing people. Why do we need to see our neighbors um, as glorious ruins as you describe in the book? The Chosen, because um, there's another episode where um, Jesus, it, he sees Matthew, the tax collector. And there's a moment where he looks right at him and it is, it's really, really powerful. And that the, I think part of what makes it so powerful is knowing the background there is that Jesus, though he was originally from Nazareth and he would travel around um, that kind of that general region um, doing ministry as an adult, he was based, Matthew and Mark tell us, he was based in Capernaum during his stays. And so um, Matthew says he would come home to Capernaum. And I think Mark says he would come to his own city. So this this city of about 1500 people, when we read in Matthew nine about Jesus seeing Matthew, seeing the the four friends who brought their, their, their paralytic friend to Jesus or seeing the bleeding woman or seeing Jairus, this synagogue leader, seeing the crowds, these were potentially neighbors. These were people that he spent a lot of time there. If he was staying with Peter um, in his home, these were potentially people who he knew. And so he didn't just ignore them. They weren't invisible to him. Um, They weren't his invisible neighbors. Um, They weren't, he didn't judge them. They weren't the non-neighbor as, as Chris was saying. Um, But he also didn't, um, just kind of see the exterior and think they had it all together. We call those the Instagram neighbors. Um, he, he didn't kind of buy the hype when he saw Jairus and he knew he was a person of power. He saw that he was a man who behind the closed doors of his home had just lost his daughter. He was in pain. Mm-hmm. And so as Jesus stops eight times throughout that chapter and he sees people, he, it says at the end of the, uh, the chapter, when he sees the crowds, he saw them in their true spiritual condition, that they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, and he had compassion. 
And it's that same compassion when, when Matthew says he saw a man named Matthew and he's writing that about himself. He's, he's saying he saw me. And when, and when, when Jesus saw Matthew and, and these other people, they're, they're good, they're bad. And he saw the real them glorious, the, 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 the parts of them that were created in the image of God, um, but also ruined and, and, and broken by the fall. And he had compassion. Um, when people experienced Jesus seeing them in that kind of way, they were able to really see Jesus. And I think as we see our neighbors and we see them as glorious ruins, they, they, can, they can sense Jesus seeing them and that allows them to see Jesus in a whole new way. Oh, yes. I really, I really love that. It's, it's almost, you can imagine Jesus looking into your own eyes mm -hmm. and seeing you for who you are. Mm. Right. And uh, that's, that, that's a beautiful thing. Um, well, I want to talk about one of the assignments that you give in your yeah. book, Place for a Purpose. Um, you talk about watching the Fred Rogers documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor? And I, again, this is like one of your great practical tips. Um, <laughs> tell us why you, you picked that and what lessons we can learn from that film. Yeah, I always say I want to be Mr. Rogers when I grow up because <laughs> he is he is he was just an incredible, an incredible man. Um, we first saw that documentary at a film festival and we were kind of coming up with this idea for this book. And in his example, the way I think even going back to seeing people, the way he would slow down, um, the, the way he would give you his full attention, um, the space in the conversation that he would give for response and pauses. I mean, sometimes it even feels uncomfortable, but he's not in a hurry. He's not looking over your shoulder at the per other person that he would like to talk to. He's focused on you. And there's this like, you know, the, 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 the love that, it, that comes through when you are with someone in that way, just that presence, I think, could go a long way. And, 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 and if we were to live out of that example, probably not perfectly, but put our phones down, you know, instead of getting out of our car, pulling our phones out and walking inside or walking up the stairwell to our apartment, maybe we put it away, we stop, we look around and see if there's anybody to wave to or smile to or say hi to or introduce ourselves to. There's a scene in that document, he sits down on this on the, the stoop of the of his neighborhood um, outside his house and he engages with a little boy named Jeff Erlinger. And I mean I could almost <laughs> I could almost not talk about that without tearing up. But um, that interaction where he sings a song called It's You I Like to Jeff and um, that experience that they share, if we could offer that kind of unhurried, undivided acceptance to our neighbors, it would be life-changing. I mean, I want, I, every time I'm watching, I'm like, I want to do this with my kids. I want to do this mm -hmm. with my husband. I want to do this with my neighbors. Um, but it is, it's one of the best visions, I think, for, um, for that kind of acceptance, just to be able to, our neighbors, and they'll know it too. They know if you think they're a project or if you're, um, you know, um, if you're like, just going trying. through the motions. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, if you're, if you show up with a, it's you, I like, I like you, not just, I love you because I should, or cause I was, um, I'm doing it out of guilt, but I like you. 
And that's that's um, the transforming acceptance that comes through the gospel that that God loves us and accepts us in that kind of way. It's really powerful. Yes, I feel like you know one of the back. Uh, things that, that has to happen before even that can happen is is learning to to love yourself how Jesus loves you yeah mm-hmm. and because it's so to have the confidence to then reach out mm-hmm. that comes from that that belief and so I just want to encourage people to uh, just to pray about any all any and all of this before you go about doing it and yeah. ask God to give you a sense of how he loves you so that mm-hmm. you can love others well. That's right. One thing um, that I really like about your book is how you give very practical tips. And mm-hmm. there's so many Christian resources out there that tell us what we should be doing as a Christian, but what your book does is it really provides simple, direct suggestions for taking someone from sort of as an unknown neighbor, mm-hmm. right, to being an acquaintance, mm. and all the way to the point of being comfortable to have a gospel-centered discussion. And so um, talk about living this life of hospitality. How can it mean different things for different people? And, and how does the hospitality sort of help you evolve in that transformation of getting to know your neighbor? Well, growing up, I think I used to think of hospitality as entertainment, having a really a clean and well-decorated home. With and four kids, that's not a possibility. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> that's right. I guess I had to give that up when I had four kids, but um, making a good meal for friends and family. And, and, and while those are great things, it, that, it's, it's that idea of entertainment versus necessarily engagement. Mm-hmm. And, and the scriptures call us to an engagement and, and a posture that comes through the welcome of the stranger. The, the, the biblical definition of hospitality is the love and welcome of the stranger. So not to say we forget about our friends and family members, but we make room for, we include, we, we leave a space at the table for our neighbors who aren't necessarily um, they maybe they maybe they've begun as strangers, but maybe God wants to um, He wants to bring them into the family of God. And so, I think with hospitality, when we can practice that in really simple ways. You talked about the the practical. It starts with a wave. It starts with a smile. It starts with those simple things. And a lot of times we want we want the harvest. We want to see lives change for Christ, and 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 that's awesome, and it's really fun to see. But it starts with tilling the soil, and and that happens through those small, ordinary interactions, and and that can happen in your driveway, in your apartment stairwell. That posture of welcome that says, "I want to get to know you." Let's. Um, let's have a little get together now that things are, are opening up. Um, we recently um, had some neighbors over and it was so good just to see people again. Yes, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but um, serving, serving is another way. Asking for help is probably the, the biggest um, surprise in practice hospitality, the biggest surprise, because we, when we ask for help, we open the door for a relationship and say, I have needs too. Um, maybe you need something it's while you're cooking, or maybe it's something for your yard. And then just to, to say, thank you. You, 
make them a dinner or some cookies or muffins or, um, or have them over. Um, so it kind of opens the door for further conversations. Mm-hmm. But. Mm, those are great examples. Mm-hmm. Now you talked about tilling the soil. Um, mm-hmm. Also in the book, you point out that Jesus and the apostles often use soil and farming as a metaphor as they talked about what it meant for the kingdom of God to advance. Mm-hmm. What are some of the ways that this applies to modern day neighboring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's, we have to stop and remember that those examples and metaphors would have been readily understood by that culture because it was an agrarian society. Like a lot of them were engaged in that type of work. And for us today, we don't have a lot of experience with the gardening or farming or, you know, in a big, in a, and I think the big thing that we miss when Jesus talks about these things is we, we think of like going to the store, grabbing stuff to make a salad. We don't think about the, all the steps and the time that it took to get that little seed all the way to a tomato, you know? And so as we think about neighboring, we want to have this kind of long-term perspective and this low and slow process. And, and if we can do that, then we can till the soil through these really small, but significant um, actions. So we talk about removing the word just from your neighboring vocabulary we could be like, oh, it's just a wave. It's just a smile. It's just a reintroduction. No, it's a wave. It's a smile. It's an introduction that leads to, you know, from going from a stranger to an acquaintance to a friend. Um, Another thing, it's just a prayer. No, no, no. It's, it's praying for your neighborhood. You know, I, I, when we talk to people about neighboring, I, you know, I often ask, you know, what if God answered every single prayer that you've prayed for your neighbors in your neighborhood in this moment? What would change? <laughs> I know. And it, and for me, you know, before we started thinking about this, you know, I would have been like, well, the dogs would start barking at 2 a.m. And that guy who drives too fast would slow down, you know, but I've been convicted that like, I want to pray prayers that if God were to answer them, people would come out of isolation, they would connect in community, mm-hmm. they would experience the love of God, they'd hear the gospel, and they begin to follow Jesus and we, we create this community of, of where God's kingdom is coming more and more. So, yeah, so, so never underestimate those small actions. I think another great way to engage with people, especially now that the weather's warming up and, and the pandemic is lessening a little bit, is just being outside, um, gathering over a little bit of food, a little, you know, and, and asking neighbors to bring stuff so they can feel a part of things. And again, it started, started with a fish fry. Maybe it starts with an ice cream Sunday party or, you know, something else like that. So um, those are the actions that till the soil. Amazing. Amazing mm-hmm. how it doesn't have to be um, something, something huge, but again, a great yeah. reminder that it builds over time. I know I just went through this process this year of, I actually have a, um, a degree in agriculture. I have two, oh. two degrees. But <laughs> so you do now. actually yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> so I can relate, but I can, think, I can think back to, you know, looking at the seed catalogs in January, deciding mm. what seeds I want. And then I have a growing light and gathering the supplies and things and planning it It just the right time so they're not too big or too small to (laughs) transplant outside and there's so much that goes into it and Mm. so just to be careful and thoughtful um like you mentioned and just take it take it one step at a time yeah i'm pretty i'm pretty sure in place for a purpose in our book in that um soil tilling chapter um chapter 
five, I think it is. I think at the end of the chapter, we have a YouTube video that you can search to watch this guy kind of um, growing wheat from scratch. And we even encourage people to put it on two times speed and it's, so it's still so <laughs> slow. And you and and we want our readers to watch it and feel the slowness because and and watch him come back and water and watch him come back and weed to kind of say it's okay. We we say neighboring is more like a a, a crock pot than it is a microwave. Yes, yes. It's the low and slow and and God works in the low and slow. He sure does. So when you've gotten to this point where your neighbors have become acquaintances and, you know, how can you tell when a non-Christian neighbor is open and willing to have that conversation about faith? I think watching for their spiritual pace. So if, if you think about it in a running metaphor, metaphor or walking or <laughs> at times, I guess you could say crawling um, <laughs> pace, um, let's say you're walking alongside a believer or, an, uh, or I'm sorry, a non-believer, and you, you're just sharing your life. You're self-identifying as a Christian. Let's say you share that you went to small group or church, or you're sharing something that you're learning. Like right now, we're studying the Beatitudes so I've been sharing in, um, in conversations with my neighbors about what I'm learning through the, the vision that Jesus presents through the Beatitudes. And it's mm-hmm. made for some really interesting conversations. Um, but as you do that, you're just being who you are. You're kind of dropping the hanky, so to speak. You will see by your neighbor's reaction if they're picking up what you're putting down, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and if they're not, they're going to kind of hang back and slow down. And you don't want to outpace them and just keep, keep running ahead. You want to stay with them. And so what we've seen is over time, um, as you continue to let out who you are, but not, um, you know, put the pressure on, so to speak, but just walk with people, sometimes their pace increases. And as you kind of because you always want to season those conversations with the salt of Christ. You know, you want to, you want to be that um, you want them to see that contrast, I guess, of, of who Christ is. And so as you do, sometimes they, they start picking up the pace and then you go, Oh, okay. We're, we're, we're jogging now we're jogging. And then sometimes they start running. And that's amazing. is when you get to see your neighbors really start to, run after Christ. And then their kids start running after Christ. And that's, it's, it's, I don't know if there are words to describe it, but, yeah, no. um, but walking with people, sometimes running with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love how God wants us to be part of that process mm-hmm. and just how fulfilling that is. Um, and just to watch it all happen. So I want to propose a situation here. So what if, let's say, pre-pandemic, you had some type of a broken relationship with one of your neighbors, Hmm. um, and now things are opening up, you're starting to see them more often. Um, What seems to work as a good first move in a case like that? 
Mm, yeah, neighborhood conflict. It happens, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think like you were saying, we want to we want to do all this out, out of an overflow of our experience of the gospel. And so I think just reminding yourself, first off, that that Christ moved towards us when we were his enemies. So when we were in conflict with Christ, he died on the cross for us. You know, he moved towards us. And so that experience and remembering that is, you know, the Holy Spirit can use that then to help us move towards somebody else. And so what is it going to take? It's probably going to have to take some forgiveness. Um, it's probably going to have to take um, some humility, maybe, uh, it, that if there's a part of the situation that you kind of were wrong in, uh, it, it might take kind of admitting that and just saying, hey, I know that situation um, didn't go well, or we had this dispute. Like, I just want to say like, Hey, I'm sorry about that. Um, and, and just wanted to see if we could move forward. And, and we're doing that because we've experienced that ourselves um, in, in our relationship with Christ. And, you know, other thing we've, we've talked about in, um, is when we, we can get into these conflicts with our neighbors is, um, you know, trying to have big shoulders, you know, sometimes you have to absorb some offenses. It's like, oh, the neighbor is just keeps doing this. Like, is this something that I can kind of carry with God's help and not let it turn into something big that's going to, um, you know, put up barriers in our relationship or having, believing the best, like, oh man, the neighbor did that. I, I wonder if they were trying to, you know, do this or that, but it's like, no, I'm going to believe the best. And, you know, maybe they were short with me because they're having a hard day, you know, and I'm going to kind of move past that. Um, so those are just some of the, some and, of the and, and I just want to add that in a cancel culture where, I mean, we are done with, with you when, when you mm. wrong us, um, it is so powerful to our, our neighbors to see over years, if you do hang in there, well, um, what God can do. I mean, uh, we've seen other neighbors have conflicts with each other and sometimes I know I can speak for myself. I've kind of gotten pulled into it where my empathy for one person, I see it from their side and then I end up getting frustrated towards that other person. I have to kind of, my heart choose to forgive. And so um, as I'm looking back, I'm just so glad that I did forgive in some of those instances because now I have these relationships and, and people, neighbors are, are coming to mind where instead of just being canceled, and, and holding on to grudges, our, our kids are able to be friends and we're able to be friends. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, cancel the cancel culture, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And nothing's too big for God. So mm -hmm. praying about that and, and praying for something that you think is impossible, that only God can fix. And it'll, you'll be amazed when you see that happen. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. Well, in wrapping up here, um, I just kind of wanted you to tell us a little bit about the layout of the book. I know from having um, looked at it myself, I love how it's set up for a small group, but mm -hmm. you certainly don't have to have a small group. But for those of you who have done a lot of studies, I just want to say like the discussion guide is this is like the best discussion guide I've ever oh, seen in a study. Thank you. Really, oh. it is, especially because um, I've been in a, uh, we have a mom's group at our church that I've been in for 19 years cool. so, and I've led a lot of Bible studies and um, mm. this one is, is exceptionally helpful for the, the leader mm. because it puts together your thoughts 
that you, you how you want to preface asking a question and yeah. it's very very well thought out so Thank tell you. us tell us about um you know how how your book is laid out and how people can use it either individually or as mm-hmm. a small group yeah so it is um divided into three sections so we have the big picture of neighboring the posture of neighboring and the practice of neighboring. And in that first section, we're really going for kind of the foundation, the vision, the motivation for the low and slow uh, sustainable vision for neighboring. It's kind of like, if you think of neighboring as like the iceberg, it's like what you see on top is kind of the things you do to get to know your neighbors, but underneath the water, it's like all of this stuff. That's what we want there. Cause that's going to support your neighboring activities. And so that first chapter, we really try to give people a vision and a big picture for, for neighboring through, you know, looking at different passages. Then the, 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 the middle part there is the posture. It's a hospitality. So we want to talk about our heart posture. And then the last two, are tilling the soil, which is kind of those um, uh, things that you can do to get to know your neighbors. We say, hey, in neighboring, start making excuses, meaning start making excuses to hang out with your neighbors. And that chapter helps you do that. And then the last one is how to have spiritual conversations, because ultimately we want our neighbors to come to know Christ and and experience that. And so we want to help people as they build those relationships, be able to engage with those. And, and, and yeah, so we wrote the chapters. They're a little on the, on the shorter side so that small groups can do it. And we also know that even so people struggle to read (laughs) everything before the group. And that's where the discussion, Greg, we try to give context to the question. So even if you have a group that doesn't like to read or they, they just kind of slack, you can still engage with the content because we try to give enough context there uh, for them to, to, to go off of, to participate in the discussion. We call it a mercifully short book on neighboring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's packed full. It's absolutely mm. packed full, which is great. So where can they find your book? Yeah, you can find it on Amazon and um, probably is the best place to, 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 to get it. You can reach out to us at our website, placeforapurpose.com. Um, if you're looking for, you know, to do it with a church or a bigger study, there's ways that we can help you get bigger orders, you know, for stuff like that. And we just want to be a resource to people and help people um, think about neighboring and churches think about neighboring. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so <laughs> much for that. Before we go, I want to ask my three favorite questions of my guests. Yes. Um, some of your, your favorite Bible study tools. So let's start with your favorite Bible translation and or Bible. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, there's a, there's a number of them that I, that I use. I think the one I go back to is probably the ESV and I really like the ESV study Bible. Um, the commentary notes are just so rich and in any time I'm preparing for a Bible study, that's one of the first places I'll go before I go and look at other uh, commentaries. So yeah, I, I really like that. Um, that one's my kind of go-to. I, I would agree. I also love the message. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a sucker for the message. Yeah. 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 It's good for helping sort of explain things in modern terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Okay, how about do either one of you do Bible journaling? And if so, what are your favorite Bible journaling accessories, like pens Mm. or highlighters or whatever? I wish I could say I'm as cool as our to be sixth grade daughter. She's getting into Bible journaling. Our church um, had a, during the pandemic, they did a virtual um, Bible journaling time for all the, um, all the fifth grade girls, which is really cool. So she had out her, 
you know, pens and paintbrushes and all that. But um, yeah, I was kind of more of a traditional, like in college did more of the K Arthur and um, that type of, um, so my journal, my Bible journaling gets as um, cool as like colored pencils uh, here and there, but. Oh no, those um, are great. Yeah. Yeah. They don't bleed through and you can, that's right. You can coordinate, you know, different things with different colors. And so, yeah. You've never been a Bible journaler. I've been a journaler. (laughs) I've had my times of journaling. Um, But yeah, I I haven't, I haven't really. You don't have gel pens. I don't. (laughs) Okay. Um, Lastly, what are your favorite app or website for Bible study tools? Um, I would say an app that I'm really enjoying right now is the Dwell app. I don't know if you've heard of that one, but it's um, basically it's um, they have a di- couple different voice actors who will read the scripture to you in, from different versions, and you can even set it to some music. And I've just found it 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 just engages my heart, and I hear things, I, I pick up things like I've been trying to do like a chronological um, listen through the Bible, mm-hmm. and there's I mean I've read through Exodus, you know, Gen- I mean how many times, but even just listening to it. I was like, I have never noticed that. Or like, that's really standing out to me. So the okay. Dwell Dwell app, I would highly Ooh, recommend. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. And this isn't an app, but are you familiar with the website on um, Blue Letter Bible? Yes. I, I can geek out on there. Oh, yeah. Just clicking on words and how many times is this used and what does it mean in this context? So um, it's... If you haven't, if you haven't had a chance to look at that, definitely check it out. Um, Blue Letter Bible is a great, great oh, website. Of course, you version. If you have kids, the Kids You Version app is really great. Um, we we always use it. I, I used to, our kids are kind of getting a little older now, so we don't use it as much anymore. But we still come back to the Kids You Version app um, during Advent with our. Um, uh, we do still do the Jesse tree. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but um, we pull out the kids U version and stream it from our TV uh, because the the stories are so great um, to read them from that kids Bible. Oh, thank so. you so much. I love your suggestions. Fantastic. <laughs> well, Chris and Elizabeth, thank you so much for being here today thank on you. our podcast. I wish you both well and Um, For our listeners, be intentional about showing neighborly love. I want to encourage you to pick up the book called Placed for a Purpose by Chris and Elizabeth McKinney. And I will also make sure that their book is linked in our Amazon shop as well, along with our beautiful prayer journals that will help guide and document your prayer life at coffeeandbibletime.com. Thank you all for joining our podcast today. We love you. Have a blessed day.